are School Walking Dead, a podcast pulverizing episodes of the Walking Dead universe. Sometimes we bring you news, sometimes we make you laugh, most times we go deep. I'm Cosmo Mom 9 Rachel B. And with me, of course, is Sharon D. Blazy Gardner. And what a treat! We have our host with the most, David Cameo, on screen with us today, too. <laughs> We have an incredibly talented artist with us today, Kirk Manley. <laughs> You're not talking about yes. me. <laughs> Hi, Kirk. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Kirk Manley is a graphic artist based in Fairfield, Connecticut. As owner of both KM, KM Communication and Studio KM, Kirk has demonstrated that you can truly turn your passions into a career path if you work at it hard enough. As a branch in the TWD family tree, in many ways, Kirk was a super fan. First, being a well-known artist came second. Recently, our Survivors tier member, Aliza J, sent both uh, Dave, Rachel, and myself a beautiful, beautiful Fear the Walking Dead poster created and signed by the man himself. Shortly thereafter, Aliza was thoughtful enough to bring Kirk on with us so all of our listeners could know him a little bit better. Without further ado, Kirk, thanks for being here. Oh, you're welcome. I, I appreciate the opportunity to come on. Thank you uh, to all of you and to Aliza for kind of putting this together and making it happen. And mm -hmm. uh, she's been a, a wonderful supporter uh, of my work and my art for a while. And uh, I really uh, appreciate it, all that she, uh, she does to help promote me. She's not the only one. She is awesome. <laughs> no, she's not. No, she's not. I owe thanks to an awful lot of people. Everybody in the, in the Walking Dead family has been very generous about uh, supporting my work both online and at shows and everything else and I, I can't thank people enough. So you are doing a Walking Dead tribute art release next weekend. Tell us more about that. Um, sure. How did you get the idea? And The idea kind of came because uh, I was scheduled to exhibit at my first uh, Walking Dead focused convention this month. Uh, last would have been actually this weekend at Fandemic down in Atlanta. Mm -hmm. Have mm -hmm. not been at a show since uh, C2E2 in Chicago, end of February, um, beginning of March, 2019. So it's been it's been a long time with the pandemic and with everything else. Getting excited for that, gearing up, doing a lot of work and trying to get ready. And um, and then of course COVID came back for its fourth stand. When that wasn't going to happen, I kind of felt like rather than waiting till March, I thought, what if I were to try and do something online that would be similar to a convention kind of approach uh, and uh, make it a, an opportunity to present the new work now instead of making everybody wait till March when I will have additional <laughs> new work as well, <laughs> hopefully, fingers crossed. So that was really the thing that kind of initiated my, my, the idea um, and then kind of how it evolved into you know, three days and doing three different releases with two new tributes each day and then bundling um, options and uh, opportunities for buy people to, to get um, original sketch cards that I would do uh, as incentives for, for set purchases and things like that is uh, kind of all evolved as it, as it went. So we'll see. You know, I, I, I'm an artist, not a promoter. I'm a, not a, a, a <laughs> yeah. convention creator. Yeah. So, so, you know, this may be an epic fail. I don't know. <laughs> but you, uh, you know, you don't learn by not doing. I figured, uh, why not try it and see what happens? Maybe it's the oh, first. Right, right. I don't know. Maybe it's the first of, of many. I don't know. <laughs> but I've been trying not to show any of the actual 
uh, tributes because wow. I want it to be a surprise. The first day cool. when that goes live, it'll just be the two, but you'll see the other two days, but they'll be blank or they'll have question marks or whatever. And, <laughs> and that way uh, people have to kind of come back and see the next day. And, and uh, then, of course, at the end, you'll have an opportunity to to get all three days uh, pieces uh, as one group and there'll be special incentives that go with that and that kind of thing. But um, no, they, they will be full. I don't know if you're familiar with my tributes, but um, what I do is I, I take an episode and try to put together what I think were the, the main points of the episode or the most emotional arcs. You know, obviously you can't get everything in, but uh, my background is in comic book stuff. So I like to tell a story. So rather than just have one image of one character and the title or something, I like to kind of show a little bit of sequentialness to it, you know, and the different things that on, on the highlights that were for me of that episode. A lot of the different characters will, will show up in these different prints. That is really cool. Yeah, I've yeah. seen some of the Ray Bradbury-esque, uh, Kirby-esque uh, tri uh, episode tribute cover art. And so yeah. I, I'm, I'm familiar with your work and I just love how sometimes you'll reach in a different direction with each tribute. Yeah. So for people who do not know, I think I think your website's studiocam.com. Studiocam.com, and um, there's a link there to my DeviantArt gallery, which has everything that I've done so far. It, it's funny because um, it's coincidentally, I kind of got into this because of podcasting, and uh, okay. <laughs> which is oh, okay. kind of a okay. weird around the, the horn kind of uh, uh, logic. But I love The Walking Dead. I've always loved zombies. I've loved zombies, the zombie genre. And I, I read the book religiously um, from the first issue and thought the world of Kirkman and thought of the world of how he did the book. Um, it was like a classic zombie book but or a zombie movie. He took a lot of risks and, and just was inspiring. You know, I mean, like taking lead big lead characters and having them die right like early. <laughs> it was just like that, you know, that just didn't happen, you know, and, and the, the, sometimes I would get so angry, I wouldn't want to read it. And then I just, I couldn't go, I had to go back. You know? In that vein though? Yes. Because you said, that, you said it made you angry, but in terms of your background uh, of, of reading comics and stuff like that, did you kind of gravitate more towards like, you know, superheroes versus supervillains? Like, you know, in terms of your classic uh, comic book reading? Oh yeah. My, I'm definitely a superhero lover and, and diehard fan of superhero comics um, have been and always will be. But I've also really been into the zombie genre ever since Dawn of the Dead came out and blew my mind in the 1980s and uh, have been on board with that ever since too. So, you know, I, I became a big fan of, of the book and big fan of the show because of that. And then I got an opportunity to do a podcast called Biters. I started that with a guy, um, Jeff Marzik, who was writing a comic book that I was illustrating with him. And so we got wrapped up in that and we started doing these weekly podcasts of the show. And it, we started in season four, uh, you know, talking about the episodes every week and getting into detail and everything else. It just inspired me to, I just had to do something to visual to it. You know, I just, so I started creating these illustrations of the episode that we were going to talk about. Oh, wow. As like the podcast art. Right. Kind of. Wow. And it just took off from there. Mm. And, um, then from from that connection, I I met and had been a guest on uh, Walking Dead cast with I don't know if you're familiar with that with Jason Kabizi and um, he and I became uh, good friends and uh, he introduced me to the people who ran Walker Stalker as a possible artist to illustrate show posters for them 
And that's yeah, how I epic. got Yeah, that's how I got into that. And uh, people's reactions to the, the, the few small tributes that I, a few that I had done that I brought to that show just said, wow, I got to, I got to keep doing this. And it just kind of went from there. <laughs> so podcasting started this whole thing. <laughs> yeah. I, I took a big swing with that intro because I had a feeling that, because I've seen some credits for your art way back in the nineties, but then I was thinking to right. myself, it just didn't feel like you had that swing until, yeah. until you actually became a fan first. And then I was listening to the under the comics uh, under the comic covers interview you oh, did, yeah, yeah, uh, or podcast rather. Yeah, they had mentioned kind of getting into the like you started your fan art for The Walking Dead slowly, and then you kind of found your you know, for for singers it's a voice or, or for art or for uh, you know it's like finding your voice but for, on the pen, and you yeah. kind of fi- found your your path in terms of uh, creating that. And so when I was listening to that, I was like, oh yeah, he's kind of moseying into the space and kind of feeling it out as he goes. And then you're getting feedback from other people. And then all of a sudden it kind of explodes, right? It, oh yeah, absolutely. And, 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 you know, as you pointed out, and I think you're, you're absolutely right. When I first started getting into this, I was very focused on comic book art and trying to do sequential comic book art, you know, the inter- internal art, page art. And it's a very different kind of, each panel is its own kind of illustration, but it tends to be a little bit more simpler and not as elaborate each panel. And it was it was a different kind of way of working, but this required a little bit more focus on a single image, and they were two different kind of approaches. And I, I wasn't as familiar with that, you know. I'd done cover work and stuff like that before, mm. but um, on a regular, consistent basis. And then I think it was also finding, you know, like you were saying, finding my voice was how do I marry my love of comic books and comic book art style to this cinematic video based television show imagery as opposed to comic book there's already a walking dead comic book i didn't need to do that 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 would you know that would have been a mistake you know what i mean and and right. I, there are art you see artists go out and kind of mimic that the comic book look and that's that's great and it works for them and and more power to them but for me it, i felt like i needed to do something that was unique and different from the comic yet felt comic booky and fit for me so it, over time i got more of that and i started you could see when i started introducing the comic book cover designs you know there's a the introduction of um ezekiel and and the kingdom i i took the cover from avengers number i don't know was it three where they found cap uh in the ice and and just replaced all the superheroes with their their characters and and it just uh that that just kind of it just kind of went from there, you know, and I don't always, what I'm, you know, like coming back to something else you had said too about trying to make each one kind of different is that I'll do comic book cover one, but then I will not let myself do another comic book cover style one for at least three or four before I then go back to if I want to go back to it, you know, um, because I, I want to push myself to do something other. And I don't want also, you know, when you're walking through a convention and looking at someone's art and I've seen people who Speaking of covers, you know, like the uh, the New York what was a Saturday Evening Post it used to be a, a magazine in the 50s or whatever. Norman Rockwell cover. Lots of people will do art that has, you know, popular current uh, pop culture characters in the Saturday Evening Post. And it's like a wall of that. And it's cool. But then you see the, the character you like and you get that and that's all you're really interested in. So I didn't want to go that way. I wanted to have something and I wanted to push myself. What can I do different this time? How can I approach this in a way that... Will still be me, but will 
be different from the last one I did so that somebody else might look at the last one and be, uh, that's not me, but this new one they just did, wow, that, that one's, I like where that's going, you know? Even the people who like what you did uh, before and, and want to see more of that, they also appreciate seeing new stuff and different stuff too. I know for myself as, as both an artist and a consumer of, of art, I've got a wall over here of prints and stuff from other artists that I admire and have liked while when I'm at shows and sometimes I have to you know I'll buy prints from them or sometimes we exchange prints or things like that because it it very much affects me and motivates me and inspires me and gives me ideas and and also goals to shoot for some people's stuff just blows me away like I don't know how they do that you know so it becomes a goal I want to produce something that's at that level and it I think athletes do that everybody you know anybody who's trying to improve it's something that they do finds people that do it better and then sets them as kind of the goal <laughs> going on that same vein um of looking at things to get inspiration who are some artists yeah. that inspire you it's always reflective of of what you as an artist produce is you know the people that you want to emulate or that you see as the ideals i have a lot of comic book artists that influence my work a lot obviously uh, adam hughes has uh, been a favorite all my life i think neil adams in his early days was uh, was another one that that I, I gravitate to steve rude who did a book called nexus is a big inspiration for me mike Nola has this very um I want to say almost kind of abstract, and it's gotten more abstract as he's gotten older. I don't mean to imply it's because of his age, but I think as he's gotten older and wiser, he's he's learned how to simplify and simplify and simplify more and more so that you're still getting this powerful graphic image, but it's only a few lines. For a guy who spends hours sitting here drawing little lines, you know, to walk in or, or pick up a book and see this art that's just as powerful, just as graphic, if not 10 times more than what you're producing. And they're doing it with three times as less lines. You know, it just blows my, it's like, how, how, how? Oliver Coppell is a, a, a more recent one. We talked about, you know, one of other artists work that I collect. And there's a bunch of artists that I got to meet doing the shows, doing the conventions, and I hope to see again. And, you know, some of them have been amazing influences on my work. Rob Pryor is a, is a fantastic example. You know, here's a guy, you know, we talk about Mignola simplifying and simplifying. Rob is a guy who is started out, I think, as a, a photorealistic kind of illustrator, doing a lot of commercial kind of work. And he brings that incredible likeness and reality to the, to the images he produces of, of faces and people but then brings in all this expressive energy with paint and color and technique. And it's like, boom, I've always been very impressed with his work. And he's plus, he's just a wonderful guy. Uh, Scott Spillman. These are also wonderful people, just, just wonderful human beings. I mean, Scott Spillman took me under his wing when I first started out at Walker Stalker Cons. I had no idea what the hell I was doing. Helped me, you know, think <laughs> through how I was setting things up, uh, how I charged, what I charged. I never even used credit cards. He was like, you got to get credit cards. Well, <laughs> so it's just, you know, he was really very savvy. You, you got to get credit cards. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. And, and in, in a business sense, that, that was something that was completely new to me on, on that level. But his work is just, you know, again, photorealistic. And as you can see from my own work that I'm comic book based, but I'm really shooting for likeness and, and realism. 
so I'm always impressed by those guys that do that. His likenesses, there's just nobody better on the circuit. You know, I mean, it's just boom. You know, he nails it. What, what makes him different from all the other guys out there that can do realism and likeness is the color. He just, this, yeah. the, these expressive purples and greens and yellows, and they never feel out of place. They never feel wrong, but they're emotional. Here you've got this simple portrait. There's not a lot of there to be emotional about. There's no zombie coming in from the side. There's no blood all over here. There's no guns being pointed over there. It's just this beautiful portrait, but the color just brings out this energy. And I think it's the green that just makes it eerie, you know, and gives it that walking dead kick. So I've <laughs> tried to look at how I do color. How can I bring color in differently? I think you're going to see in these pieces that are coming this weekend, some inter oh. some different uses of color for me. I oh. hope that people feel that. Okay, cool. AJ Moore, besides being just, a, again, just another wonderful person, he's got to be one of the most prolific artists I've ever met in my life. The guy produces constantly. And, uh, you know, <laughs> Rob Pryor too, but, but, but AJ just, you know, every show he's got like 20, 20, 30 new images, you know. You know, as an artist, you only get better by doing also the more people you can satisfy on you know when they come to your table jason palmer is a guy who used to do the shows a lot very photorealistic benny miller robin overton into black and white yep, yep. um just fantastic uh, artists uh, guys chris of inner demon cross you know they just great yep. great stuff so those are a lot of my influences too comic books movies anything that's visual affects me but in terms of of artists uh, between comics and my fellow artists on the on the um, convention circuit, the, those would be the, the highlights. Just to follow up on likeness, I, I, when you talked about Mike Mignola, which I've been saying all my life wrong, I thought it was like Mike Mignola or something like it that. It probably is. Don't, don't ever <laughs> go, don't ever go by what I said. <laughs> Holy cow. Yeah, that would be know, the I mean, worst thing you could listen, do. That would be a I'm mistake to the of epic right, proportions. <laughs> Let's break yeah. even and call him Mikey. Yeah, Mike. Mig Magnolia. Yeah, that's right. So, um, so w what I noticed immediately about your work was that I hope there Mike doesn't hear this. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I hope he does. I hope he does. Mike Magnolia, look us up. Yeah. So, <laughs> what I noticed about your your work is there is a little of that in there because what I noticed is that your ability to capture a general countenance, let's say, in faces but with as little line as possible yeah. or a little, as little lines or, or colors or whatnot. You just happen to capture the essence with as little as possible. And I, 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 that's the one thing I, I mean, this is not limited to the people you see every day and every week. Cause when you're looking at the fan posters from all the conventions, it's also the people uh, on the circuit like us, like uh, formerly BMNY Deadcast, like uh, now Beauty and the Beasts. I have to say it like that because it's hard for me. But, you know, guys like that and uh, I think Jason and Karen and, and all those guys, um, you know, it's so it's not limited to just, you know, oh, I see this guy every week. I have a general sense of what, the, what their features look like. No, it's people you don't often meet and you don't right. often see in person. Right. So I, I'm very impressed with that. Yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah, I think that as my work has, on, especially on these tributes, I was a penciler. You know, I was pretty good at penciling, pretty solid. But uh, then I started doing this comic book work and I, you know, I had to start inking my own work and I was hiring friends and people in the industry that I know that to do coloring, to, to get it done. And then I was like, well, that's costing us money and we're not making much money anyway to begin with. So, 
you know, I'm going to have to start coloring myself. So I start doing that and so I introduce that. And you can look, if you go and look at the early work, you know, if you go back to that Deviant Art Gallery, you can see some of the very first couple of ones that I've done. And you can see it's just, there's been a huge change. And it's uh, over time. And it's just because of getting more and more comfortable with the tools. And then also just trying different things, experimenting, and then developing a, a, a style. And again, you only do that by doing. The more I did, the more I started to develop a style. And when it came to like faces and likeness, yeah, I used to have a lot of lines. And, and when, I, when I first draw it, I still do a lot of the times. But now I go in when I go to color and I'll take those, first of all, I'll take those lines anywhere within the body and I change them from black, which is the traditional comic book black outline, flat color underneath. I change them to a darker color shade of the skin tone. So now they start to meld into the body and the figure and um, uh, look softer, look a little bit more realistic. Uh, most of the time, a lot of them end up getting eliminated anyway. I end up erasing them or going over them with the paint as I work with color to define the shape and the the eyelids and the style and the shadows. And, you know, there are very few shadows on anybody's face at any time that are solid black. As you start to, to learn that, as you're doing more and more paintings, it just gets more and more further away from the original line treatment. If you look at my early work, it's all black lines, flat color underneath and now it's very much painted and painterly uh, in terms of style <laughs> evolution <laughs> so Kirk you had mentioned earlier um, some of your artwork depicts specific scenes from episodes yes. do you have a do you have a favorite scene that you've created it's hard you know it, when you <laughs> again I say this yeah. to people all the time about about my art they was like well what's your favorite one uh, the one I just did <laughs> right, right. But that oh, won't okay. be tomorrow when I get done with this one. <laughs> so that's how it it kind of goes. Because when I look at a new piece, I've okay, I've 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 improved on this. I've improved on that. I, I'm no longer making this mistake. This looks good. Blah 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 blah. Okay, I'm much happier with that. Then the next time I do it, I look back at the other one when I'm working on a new piece, and I'm like. That's bad. That's bad. That's, you know, I'll say, yeah, exactly. You start seeing exactly. all these things here. Oh, I wish I could have done that differently. Sometimes when I go to print these, you know, I'll fix things. I don't necessarily t tell people, but I'll be like, that ear is wrong. You know what I mean? So, I'll fix but anyway, so, um, so some We've I feel I feel bad yeah I feel bad that you know there's some people walking around with an early copy and some with a later copy. So in terms of my favorite it's hard to pick but I I would say that Last Day on Earth is the name of the episode. The reason is I don't know I don't remember that is because I never call it that when I'm at the shows because everybody asks right, for like the, the, last, the last supper. Right, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so for me, it's the last supper, but, um, yeah. Yeah. but that's not the aim of the episode. I've always wanted, you know, just like I, I like to pay tribute to comic book covers and stuff. I've also always wanted to do, you know, kind of a classic image or a classic piece of art. And the last supper is a, an iconic classic piece of art. And lots of people have done what I did. It's not like I came up with the idea. But I'd seen people do that, and I'd always said, oh, that would be really cool to do. That whole uh, scene in that where they're lined up on the ground, on their knees, with Negan standing over them with the bat, it just lent itself to this, you know, this idea of them lined up at a Last Supper. Both emotionally, I felt it connected with the, the episode, as well as 
visually. It was a bear of a piece to do. I was still at that time not drawing digitally, and now I draw digitally um, as well as ink and color digitally, but at that time I was still drawing traditionally. I had to create two large 11 by 17 sheets taped together on the back to get a, a, a big enough and then draw this whole thing out. And there's a funny story with it. A friend of mine um, that I uh, <laughs> often consult with on my work, he looked at it and he was like, you know, you have them in the wrong order. And I'm like, what are you talking oh, no. about? <laughs> it's like, you have oh, to no. put them in the right order. I'm like, it's all drawn. I'm ready to start inking it. I can't. It's going to take forever, blah, blah, blah. And it was, I was so Ooh. mad. I was so mad at myself for not being, you know, not paying attention to that and everything else. But it was just a typical kind of mistake that I would do. So I, I went back and redrew well, I, a whole bunch. I think bunch. you need better friends. Um, uh, <laughs> no, he was absolutely 100%. No, no, he was absolutely correct. He was absolutely 100% correct because it made all the difference in the world. And when people see it, it's one of the first things that they say or they did. It's not as popular a piece now at the convention, but the first thing they say, oh, they're lined up in the order that they were, you know, you know oh my gosh, you know, it's, it's, so <laughs> he was absolutely right. And I'm glad that I took the yeah. time to, to do that. But then the other thing, you know, again, coming back to some of the early discussion about trying to tell a story and try to put a little bit of the comic book storytelling into the illustration as opposed to just being a portrait. If you look at that piece, and I don't, I don't know if any, any of you are familiar with it, but I gave e a plate and a meal to each person sitting at the table. And what's on their plate is very representative of what was going on with them as a character in that season. Rick is eating, he's got a black, dead black crow. So he's eating crow because he told, uh, you know, uh, mm. people everything was going to be all right and it's not going to be a big deal, oh, yeah. blah, blah, blah. And, um, you know, Glenn's got all these, ba you know, he's got this baby bottle and this binky and stuff because he's about to be a father. And Rosita's holding her, this heart that's just a real human heart bleeding all over her because her heart's been completely broken. She's eating her heart, her heart basically, because of, of everything that happened with, with her emotionally and her relationship. So, you know, I tried to, to, to put in, you know, something about the character so that people have stuff to look at, digest, you know, see something oh, different cool. each time they look at it. So, and, and I'd say that was probably the most successful of, uh, of my efforts to do that so far. Right, like a definitive work, Kirk Manley work. <laughs> What, well, what kind of like uh, gave you your stamp maybe on the fandom? Is that, is that fair or accurate? Yeah, absolutely. Like yeah, I think so. Yeah. We talked about trying to, to create new, new pieces that push limits and take me in new directions, but at the same time, refining my style and, and making it more me and more mine so that when you, say, walk down uh, you know, an aisle, aisle in a convention, you see some of my work up and you're like, oh, that's that's Manly, you know, or that's Batman KM or whatever, however you, you remember my name. And that's always the goal. I think it's important. You have to have a style. And I think it's probably why I didn't get it more established in comic books and didn't have as much success getting into comic books, which was always my first love, is that my penciling, I was very focused on all of the, you know, correct things. Don't do this. Don't do that. You know, make sure anatomy is good. Make sure this is good, blah, blah, blah. And, and I wasn't particularly fantastic at things like perspective and things like that. When you've got one piece, you can work really hard on it. When you've got a one page that has five panels and each panel has to be correct and then you go to the next page and there's 22 pages it, it's hard to get that correct every time until it becomes very rote memory and for me it, it, it hadn't so i never had this kind of like 
standout style with my penciling. And if you look at comic books, the, the artists that tend to blow up and be successful and carry on and have long careers in comics, like Mike Mignola, they have a very definitive style, a very recognizable style. You pick up the book and you're like, oh, this is Jack Kirby. Oh, this is Adam Hughes. Oh, this is Mike Mignola. Right. But I think I've been able to establish that in my standalone tribute art style. As I started to expand into this more, I started going to conventions that weren't just Walking Dead, and I had to have art for that. So I started moving into mm. a lot of the Marvel and DC characters and TV shows, Lost and things like this. And I've really put a lot of time into it. And as a result, I've developed a more recognizable style. What has been your most memorable or favorite moment with a celebrity? Or maybe you have a few stories. <laughs> Knowing me, probably. Um, <laughs> you know, it's funny. I, I don't have a lot of them on with celebrities because, sadly, I think I'm I'm a little shy about that. It was real popular among a lot of the other artists uh, at the shows and conventions who would would make a lot of you know would make time to go and visit a lot of different actors and stuff, bring them artwork and make connection with them. And, and, and I applaud them for that. And, and I think it, it's awesome. And I, I tried to do it a number of times, but I found that I tended to just, I tend to stay at my booth and talk to people and sell work and do sketches. And I, I tend to like be very much engrossed in what I'm doing. Uh, it's, it's hard to explain what it's like. Uh, it's, it's a rush when you're a hermit and an artist who sits inside all day and just looks at their own, it's like a narcissist nightmare, you know? I mean, you just, you, you have to you work by yourself, you look at your stuff, you're your own critic, and, and then, you know, you get to go out to these conventions and people actually like your stuff and it blows your mind and you just want to talk to them and you just want to interact with them and, and, you, and you want them to be happy. You, know, you want to give them a deal. You want them to feel that they're they're having a good experience with with your work. So I feel it's really important to be at the booth as much as possible. So I found that I I, I would get distracted and that and never go do that. But I did I did meet a number of them and a couple of the standouts. The first Walker Stalker I did was in New Jersey. I'd also it was the first show poster I had done for them as well. And I had a small table and a few pieces up. I'd only done I think four or five tributes or six or seven tributes at that time. But I was getting a lot of play on Twitter. When I first started out, a lot of the actors would retweet the work. And near the end of the show, Josh McDermott walks up to my booth, who plays Eugene, with an entourage. And I'm like, holy cow. You know what I mean? And he like, <laughs> it, he, but then what he says to me is like, holy cow, I've walked this whole floor trying to find you. And and oh. here you are, the last table, the last aisle, and I can't believe it. And I was like, I was like floored, you know. I was just incredibly flattered and and honored. And he he had a big featured uh, piece, and he loved it, and he he wanted a copy, and he wanted to meet me, and wanted to thank me, and it was just super 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 nice. That that was just a wonderful introduction to the whole experience, you know. I was always very appreciative and thankful to him for that. The other was a similar situation at New York Comic Con. I had a table and it was near Image Comics. Uh, Greg Nicotero had been over there, I guess, signed in books or something. And as he walked by my booth, he saw my, you know, the stuff and he pointed at it and he came over and he introduced himself. We talked, shook hands, he took pictures. He, you know, he said he'd seen my work and, you know, love my work and blah, 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 blah. And, and uh, wanted me to send him some pieces. And this, and it was just so 
flattering and and uh you know you you kind of work in like i said in your little hole and you don't realize that you know these other people that you admire and look up to and and uh, everything else are, are seeing your stuff but you know i've met a number of the other actors at the show I, there's some that uh, i make sure to see every time um and you know they're, they're just wonderful people and everybody everybody i mean there's not been one person that i've met that is associated with the the show and whether from the production end of it or from the 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 casting people you know the actors that hasn't been incredibly nice generous warm friendly it just goes to show i guess you know to make a good make a good show you got to have good people <laughs> so you know and they've got it in spades if you've all gone to the shows and and met people you you've had similar experiences you know yeah. Yep, definitely. Yep. <laughs> yeah. But I, I was smiling like a goofball while you were explaining your booth experience because I'm hearing Rachel, aka Cosmo on Zero Nine, <laughs> in my head. You should get out of your booth and go to some of these. <laughs> yeah. Talk yeah. to some of these um, these actors. Go and, walk and around. Such a, go yeah. walk around. Please walk around, Dave. <laughs> and, uh, and I feel like you and me are similar. First of all, in that respect, like okay, there's a rush. And talking to somebody about the show, like for right. me, obviously, because it's that's what we do, right? And uh, and, and just really getting to tell people what we do, and 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 not only that, but just oh, I know you, and I've listened to you. It was like, oh yeah, <laughs> well, I like that you listen to us because that helps. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then, and then exactly. we talk, and then yeah. But, but the other part of that is is the other half of that is that I prefer almost talking to people rather than celebrities, and it's just my opinion because like I feel like I. I do a lot more connecting. There's a little bit less of that shyness, let's say. And I'm more in the business of, I think, talking to the people and getting to know what they think and, and mm. picking their brain on certain ideas and mm. what they really thought about this versus what people say they liked about that. And, and right. I just find I like to talk to people, like what makes them, what drives them? Because I, I feel like we talk to celebrities enough, you know? Or like <laughs> oh, we, absolutely. I, I, but I think it's a little different because, you know, I'm creating work that, is emulating their characters that's portraying mm -hmm. their persona it's respectful to show gratitude and and appreciation for for their work to share with them how it inspires you i admit that i don't do it enough but that's not a conscious effort that's been more of kind of a byproduct of of my personal approach to the conventions you know and it just next thing i know i've run out of time you know i i get a little yeah. also uncomfortable with the whole cutting in line you know sometimes there's opportunities to, to squeeze in and see somebody before they are you know seeing people but when these poor i, f I feel t i feel really bad for a lot of the fans because of how much time they have to spend at waiting to see people and the money that they have to spend to do that and they get such a short you know little window of, of time to do that and and they're all incredibly patient and you know i've i don't think i've ever seen in years of going to conventions, uh, anybody, especially the Walker Stars, anybody fighting in line, that just didn't happen. Everybody respects everybody else and everything else. So, you know, then this artist walks up and like cuts through the line and the, per, you know, and, and gets to jump right ahead and take two minutes of the time that you're waiting. And it just, it, I was very uncomfortable doing that. So when, you know, when I would see people in the aisles, I would stop and talk with them, you know, if they're going to and from, or um, if it was before they started seeing people, I would try to coordinate it that way. And sometimes, you know, actors would come to my table and I would then, of course, stop what I'm doing and, 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 and let them know how I feel about their work and their incredible talent and everything else and how inspirational they've been to me. That was also a factor. 
It's a mindfulness thing, it sounds like. Yeah, I think a little bit. It's a similar aspect of the business. You know, they're creating a character, and then I'm illustrating that character. So we both kind of are supporting each other, you know? It's like a symbiotic relationship. A little bit. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> definitely a symbiotic. Yeah, yeah. yeah definitely. Kirk, Aliza wants to know, uh, have you ever given a print to a cast member? Yeah, yeah, of course. Especially the show posters, they, those were real popular. Fans would uh, buy piece. And and this is, you know, again, something I wasn't prepared for until I started doing these shows, didn't even know it existed. But they'll buy my work, and then they'll go wait in line to have that, you know, the featured character on that piece sign it, you know, have the, the actor mm. sign it. And occasionally what would happen is they'd come back to the table and say, dude, look, man, they loved it. They loved it. They want a copy. They want a copy. You know, you got to bring, tell them, they told me to tell you to bring them a copy, you know, this and that. And so then I, you know, I try and pull stuff together and go, go bring it to them. And that, you know, that's when you would get, have to cut in line, you know, Hey, they asked me to bring this to them, you know, and that, that was always incredibly flattering and probably given a piece to, to at least everybody, maybe, maybe not uh, Negan. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah. but no, no, no. I don't think I ever got to uh, to Morgan. But I, uh, you know, everybody else, um, uh, Norman Reedus, and uh, all the, you know, the original cast, except for you know Rick and uh, Michonne. I didn't start going to Atlanta until I think their last appearance. I think 2017 or 2017, 2018, yeah, something right. like that. But they were never accessible anyway. <laughs> I think you'd like Jeffrey Dean, though. Oh yeah, I'm sure it, I would. It's yeah. time. Yeah. Yeah. It's time. Okay, cool. Yeah, uh, I think so. Yeah. He, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm very, first of all, he's a fantastic actor, uh, was a fan yeah. of his before he even came on the show. Uh, and I'm probably going to make some enemies here, but. Perfect. I think he's kind of carrying the show right now, you know, in terms of male lead. And Norman Reedus is fantastic. I love the character of Daryl, but they've never really written f for him to make him deep and, and rich. I mean, he's, you know, he's got a lot of, of history, but boy, you know, the Negan character is just so deep. And f you know what <laughs> I mean? He chews the screen, man. Yeah. He and he just owns it, man. That camera goes on. He just owns it. And uh, I think the Rick was also, you know, I, I, lo I loved him um, as well. And he was captivating. Andrew Lincoln, you know, I think he, he's fantastic. Uh, I, I think also uh, Denai Guerrero, it's just incredible and captivating. And but uh, right now, um, he, you know, he's 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 it, and I would I'd, I'd love to meet him. Yeah, he's fantastic. Rita seems like the the king that refuses the crown in a way. <laughs> you know, you see him on, but he kind of keeps it so subtle and down low and true to the character that he just doesn't try to gobble up the time and the screen. Yeah, no, that's an excellent point. That's an excellent point. And, and uh, I think that's very fair. And I, I hadn't thought of it like that. But his character is a withdrawn, kind of introspective um, loner, kind of a, a lone, lone wolf that doesn't give them a lot of opportunity. Yeah, to, to kind of take charge and be a, you know, a heroic leader. And, and that's, uh, so that makes it hard probably for him to, to kind of get that kind of focus on his character. Right. Oh, that's a good point. Hopefully that answers Eliza's uh, question. Yeah. Well, she just thought of several more. Oh, excellent. <laughs> she wants you to meet Gal Gadot so you can give her the Wonder Woman vaccine poster. <laughs> and <laughs> I, I, I kind of want to be there when that happens, actually, now that you mention it. <laughs> that would be awesome. Actually, yeah. That's okay. Can yeah. I just be, ride, ride your coattails? Thank you, please. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm curious. I'm curious how that how those will be received. Um, I, I didn't do those 
with the intention of selling them. I didn't do them um, with the intention of bringing them to shows. They were purely uh, something I, I decided to do because I, I wanted to contribute. I wanted to somehow be a part of the solution and not just a victim uh, here, you know, <laughs> of COVID and uh, the pandemic. That seemed like a great way to, to mix what I do with uh, a power, you know, a powerfully important message. That was really the, the whole point of it was to try and do something with my art that would be a positive effect on the pandemic. You know, I'm a very political person, but on social media, I try to stay totally neutral as much as possible <laughs> and gotcha. um Same so word. but i couldn't Same. just sit just i just couldn't sit back and not do something and you know i feel strongly that you know we have the, the means to put this to bed and be done with it and um you know we're we're at odds with each other so much politically that we're not able to accomplish this very simple task of getting vaccinated and knocking this thing out like we've done with so many other diseases and um, threats to our society. That's what the motivation was for doing it. Also to keep busy, to keep doing art, to keep doing portraits, to keep doing my stuff and trying to not lose touch with it. Now, I mean, should I have been continuing to do tributes and uh, pieces to the Marvel uh, Disney Plus shows? Absolutely. But I'm sure we're all, we've all been grappling with the pandemic and, and the proper use of time. And it was really hard to not get distracted. So that was kind of my solution. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm curious how, how those will be received if should I bring them to a show. I assume that uh, there will be a lot of people that will be pumped about it. And then there'll probably be some that not <laughs> <laughs> maybe yeah pumped in a different direction okay. yeah that's, that's okay i think what's great about them is uh, you know even for somebody who may be a vaccine skeptic or whatnot it, because over the over the past i don't know year i think a lot of people have said please get vaccinated in a way that seems almost like rude and shameful and like shaming people who don't do it. the way you did it was oh these people are getting vaccinated right. they're you're not saying right. i mean you're saying please get the shot and you're right. doing it in a way that's cool and approachable right. You know, and, and says, you know, this is just what I think, and I'm expressing it in my medium. It doesn't mean you're a bad person if you don't, but it's right. it would be great if you did. And I think that's a good message. Right. And that was and that was done purposely. And because it's very comic booky focused in terms of the heroes, I mean, I've done a number of the Walking Dead characters. I even did the two Super Bowl quarterbacks <laughs> um, before the Super Bowl last year. So it's not only uh, superheroes, but that's pretty much what I've been doing because the whole concept was, you know, be a hero. And to be a hero, it can be as simple as getting vaccinated. Because it was a comic book, I put in word balloons and tried to give them, you know, kind of funny little things that tie to their characters, you know, like Wolverines, like, you know, get the shot, bub, you know, and things that he would say. <laughs> and uh, and then that kind of evolved more. Again, you know, coming back to kind of the tributes and the, the meals that have their little character, I just started, how else can I get some some other things in here so there's more to look at, so there's more characterization going on? And uh, so I started adding tattoos to everybody. Yeah, that was great. <laughs> and it was, it was like, you know, and it's like Daryl was the biggest challenge because he's just covered. You know, he's like Carol, <laughs> Beth, and Laura. He's got the dog, you know, and uh, Connie, and uh, who's my personal favorite, by the way, um, yeah. for him. I think, it I think saying it, right? Yeah, I think yeah. The, 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 but I know I'm, I'm, I'm probably aggravating people there, so I'll, 
keep that to myself. But um, uh, no, it is funny though. It is funny how how people are so invested in in that, you know, and in, in the the relationship that he, you know, who he, and partly that's the show's fault, you know, because they just they don't, they don't really let him get with anybody. It's like. Right. It's like, come on, you know. It's turned into my favorite part now. <laughs> Everybody's like, I'm watching. Like, Sharon D and I are just popcorn and just watching everybody get mad about them not being together. It's like, it's great. <laughs> my, saving my popcorn for a different ship. A different hate thing. What? Anyway. <laughs> well, I guess yeah. I guess shipping shipping is just such a big thing. You know, it's just become yeah. in, in, in this in, a, in the last ten years. We've been talking about the Negan Maggie tension. Let's just call it tension. Oh, well, jeez. <laughs> Holy yeah. cow. Yeah. No, please. That yeah. would be, oh, my God. I don't know. It would be a disaster. I don't know, if I, I don't yeah. know about that. I don't know about that. Yeah, car crash in slow motion. Oh. It's crazy. Oh, my God. You're, I, can, I can see the tension, though. You're right. You know, right. definitely. But, wow. No, that's uh, that's no good. That's no yeah. good. Oh, Rachel, Rachel's go dying. dying. <laughs> Her insides are rotting as we speak. <laughs> Wait, Rachel, is your feed working? <laughs> She's composed. Rachel's checked out. <laughs> well, uh, okay. if, if I could, if I could ask, what, uh, are you pro or against that kind? Of, what's uh, where's? I'm not sure what the joke is. Uh, extremely against. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it would be horrible. Yeah, it would. It would be horrible. <laughs> It would be absolutely horrible. I love <laughs> just, the strata I mean, that's horrible. going on just, here. Oh, yeah. just straight up. I mean, oh, my God. It would be horrible. It would be horrible. It's fun to joke about. It's fun to joke yeah, about. Yeah, absolutely. It can't actually, but it can't actually happen. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, Sharon is like, be... oh, that's the nuke. That's the same as the nuke on Fear the Walking Dead right now. Uh, I mean, the... I mean, I, I, I was, I've said it before. I've explained it before, but I, I binged The Walking Dead in all, nine and a half seasons in like two weeks. Oh, my God. The first time. Holy cow. More power to you. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have a really close relationship with a whole lot of the characters, so like things like Negan and Maggie really upset other people, and I just kind of think it's funny. <laughs> like I'm just like, you know, <laughs> I, if it happens, I'll just think it's funny. Yeah, she didn't uh, spend seven years with Glenn. That's right. That's right. <laughs> right. It's 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 just sick. <laughs> it's just fucking sick. It, is. <laughs> it, re it really is sick. Like, it is. It would just be very twisted and morbid. It's right. Oh, and we're watching what show? No, show no, 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 you crazy, you crazy bastards. Now I want to see it. Now I want to see it. You don't, don't want to see it. No. It's like so, a dumpster uh, fire, train wreck, you know? I got to see it. Now I got to see it. And who's oh under God. the dumpster? That's hey, Gwen's under the dumpster. That's right. I mean, maybe, maybe if like she maybe. seduces him and then at his most vulnerable point, she like pulls out a bat and smashes his head in. Then, uh, you know, okay, maybe. <laughs> Somebody just said that too. Somebody literally said, uh, "You said that, Rachel, didn't you, or something?" No, Somebody Sharon did. Uh, Sharon did. Uh, the okay. praying mantis. Okay. The praying yeah. mantis situation. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Yeah, Lisa says sex with Alpha, so anything's possible. Law. Right? Right? Yeah, but Negan didn't kill Alpha's husband. Didn't he? No, no anyway. he didn't. She did. <laughs> She's getting all serious. Wait, Rachel's getting serious. Let's pull back. Pull, let's pull up on the yoke. <laughs> <laughs> on the 
joke. No, they they, uh, they won't go there. They won't go there. Yeah, no, they won't go there. I, I believe that too. They won't. Go I there. think they'll yeah. dangle it in front of oh. our faces and and get us all riled up, though. The new Carol. What they might do is go that they end up becoming close comrades. You know what I mean? Not comrade. I don't know if that's the right word, but you know that they're they're strategically they will have a common goal to defend the community and enemy of my enemy yeah kind of just more kind of like okay he's changed you know he's not the same person he was he's on the right side now that doesn't change what he did it doesn't change that i hate him it doesn't change that you know i could never be you know friends with him necessarily but i need him um that kind of thing yeah so right i I see in you what what you are in me that kind of thing i mean they're both kind of failed quote-unquote leaders and so. Yeah, I don't yeah. know about that. She never did anything as low as what he did. Oh, no, no, definitely not. Yeah, but like so. the idea that they both were leaders of, of communities and yeah. that both of that them fell. fell and yeah. it's kind of heartbreaking. Yeah. For one of them, at least, that I care about. I don't care about the other <laughs> one, but it's, 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 it's a fact. No, but actually, this is a good dovetail onto another question that I wanted to ask. Sure. In terms of The Walking Dead, has your relationship with the show changed at all? Or, or are you just as intense a fan as you were before? Well, of course, for a lot of reasons, uh, not so much the show as time. There's a lot fighting for a very small window of time that I have to be able to watch TV or watch shows or, and, um, <laughs> sorry, you know, it's, I totally and, get it. You know, I, I mean, <laughs> no. uh, and, and there's also, you know, we, we live in a, in a golden age of of television now where television has become as the, the products being produced for television are of feature film quality both in the writing and in the directing and in the casting and in the special effects which have gotten cheaper and been able to now do at uh, TV level, which was never, you know, I mean, that was always the big thing. First, you couldn't get the big actors to do these shows. <laughs> then on top of that, you couldn't do the special effects that they could do in movies. And now you can. So with the digital improvement, digital and uh, special effects. So, and as a result is just the Marvel shows on Disney plus are absolutely off the charts, six hour movies. They're just mm-hmm. wonderful. You know, yeah. there's just constantly great shows uh, to to watch and on between and between Amazon and Hulu and and I think you know a lot of the people in the movie industry have realized now they can go in with Netflix and they can create you know something that they've always wanted to do that the no movie studio is going to pay to do but you know Netflix will and it's a smaller scale and then they're not indebted to them they're not committed to them they don't have to do a weekly show they create this product they put it on Netflix and then they move on and go back to movies and the actors are starting to figure that out too you know and so they're they're yep. they're popping up you know all over the place too so i think the streaming has you know with Amazon and Hulu and Disney Plus and Netflix and Apple realizing that they couldn't survive by simply putting on other people's content they had to create their own content and that started out rocky and rough but now it's just it's because they don't have the censorship they have the freedom they don't have to you know please some executive at the top i think it's just resulted in an amazing period of time right now for creativity on 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 the small screen the downside is is that you know there's shows there's so I, I don't even it. yeah I don't even get to watch so that I I wish I could yeah. you know I'm invested in The Walking Dead though you know since I'm watching it some from the beginning and um, so I will you know I will be with it until it 
it goes on. Fear I was into, but it, I dropped out a little bit on that. I do plan to go watch it. I do plan to to binge those that episodes that I, seasons that I've missed. Lisa's saying shame on you. And Sharon is out. I love those. I love I love that cast. I love that cast. Yeah. I think that cast is great. And um, I think, you know, some of the acting on that show is uh, superior to the main show. Which has been said. The story writing sometimes is, mm-hmm. is, is very inconsistent, but I've liked some of the things that they've done that, that the other show didn't take the risk to do. I remember when they, two seasons ago, maybe they had the hurricane. So season yeah. four. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And one of the things I, I've been frustrated by both shows is, is that, um, and I have, to be honest, I haven't even watched the other one. Beyond. World beyond. Yeah, yeah. So I'll be interested in your guys. Is, is that is that good? Is it worth watching? Is oh, it, it's really good. It's really Especially good. Especially yeah. for someone yeah. like yourself and Rachel. Rachel's also an artist too. I'm going to blow her spot. They play a lot with the beauty in the apocalypse. Oh, or, God, yeah. Yeah. But, this but, is it, a you very know, visual show. Yeah, yeah. Wow. very visual show. I mean, yeah. beautifully, beautiful beautifully scenery. shy. Cool, I love that. I love that. playing with color. Yeah, and kind of merging the walkers into... The, the landscape. landscape, the environment, yeah, yeah. Ah. yeah. really good. Yeah. So with interesting. Wow. Now, I, this is the last season, right? They're only doing the, what, the only two doing or three, two, two, two yeah. seasons. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Was that always know, the plan? Yeah. Was that always yeah. the plan? Yeah. Or, yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. Yep. Cool. With the wow. occasional gimple going, uh, eh, maybe a third. Mm, yeah. Dangle that in front of us. Yeah. <laughs> I love Scott. I'm invested in the show, and I will definitely see it. See it through. There's no other show like it. Something I haven't enjoyed about the show when you say in terms of my interest waned the thing that they did did start to happen with it more is it became a bit of a zombie apocalypse soap opera that part of it i don't i don't enjoy as much not that it's got to be action 24 7 but sometimes the the soap operiness of it it just drags i can see why that is also probably part of its attraction you know i mean soap operas are very addicting What's going to happen this week with my characters? And, oh, I like my characters. You don't like your characters. You know, this. So, you know what I mean? <laughs> that and, part uh, of it. Yeah, I could do yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I get it. I mean, they're trying to please a lot of people. And I think it's hard, too, after this many years. How many different ways can you kill a zombie? How many different ways can you create a zombie scary environment? you know, or threat and not have it seem like, like the one from last season. That's a tough challenge. And, and they've risen to it most for, for the most part. Plus, you know, the zombies have, as they deteriorate more, become less of a threat. And now it becomes more as a result, kind of like, and I think that's very realistic. I think if there was a zombie apocalypse, that's what would happen. We used to live in a world where there were apex predators much higher than us. And, you know, you lived with wolves that hunted you and you lived with bears that hunted you and you lived with lions and tigers and stuff that, and you worked around that. You would do the same with this. You know, you wouldn't go out at night alone. You would fortify properly. You would have, you know, systems in place. And so that threat would get less and less. So then what becomes the threat is the communities and the people and the politics and the infighting. And as a zombie lover and zombie movie lover, that's not as interesting to me. <laughs> um, and I agree too. Like, like every now and again, they have to interject that, oh, this is still in a zombie apocalypse narrative. We are still right. the, the ultimate threat. And I think that's why they're going for their their eleventh and final season. They're realizing that we have to move on to, even if it's going to end in a question mark, we have to move on to people problems, yeah. where the show in your mind is going to end up being a 
a more of a drama rather than a zombie yeah. horror drama. Well, I, I also think that that there was a huge change that greatly affected the show, and and that was when they killed Carl, and then the following season Rick left. The show was based on a comic, and the comic they've always they've always held very true to the comic, and the comic was the story of a father trying to to raise his son in this environment. And um, that had remained part of this, the main backbone of the story up until they killed Carl. Now, I didn't have as much problem with that as a lot of people did because they introduced the daughter who died in the comic when she was an infant. So my argument to people who were freaking out about Carl was it doesn't matter. He's still a father protecting his and raising his child in the apocalypse. It's just a different child than the son. And, and they just reversed it. And, and I'm fine with that. And, and I think it also, because that child was much younger, it allowed them to stay focused on, on Rick instead of starting to move towards Carl. I don't know if the show felt that that would lose people or whether they felt that that actor couldn't handle that role. I, I don't know. But then when Rick leaves... <laughs> yeah, I see what you're saying. Then I was like, well, now you've completely kind of gone off the the reservation and you're on your own now. Well, and, this, and just to remind everybody, like, particularly this kind of affects you because of your intense love of the comic. Yeah. Which is kind of like where you were, your love was born out of for the show. Right. Was, and I'm sure the, the majority of people who watch the show are not familiar with the comic or, or familiar with it, but haven't read it. The comics are read probably by, you know, I mean, when they came out, they, if they were selling at their primo time, maybe maybe 100,000 copies, 70,000 copies. There isn't the comic book audience that there is television, whereas mm -hmm. they're reaching millions and millions and millions, tens of millions of people watch the show. So I have to believe that given that ratio in normal world, that, that it probably, yeah, mathematically, it's just not. Now, a lot of people yeah. that would never have read the comic went out and got the comic or got the trades and read it because they were curious um, that wouldn't have happened, you know, otherwise. But I still think it's probably the majority of people. I read the books because of the show. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. 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 Which yeah. did you? I which... didn't know when the show when the show came out. I didn't even know it was based on comic books. Someone told me uh -huh. that, and I'm like, what? What? So then I had to, yeah, go and read all the books, and I'm like, this is so different. Yeah. <laughs> I will say to kind of go back on the Andrew Lincoln kick. I think that to me freed up the show to do it very interesting things and i i can see why some people would especially people who've read the comic but like would get uneasy because like they're kind of like i don't know what's going to happen next i feel <laughs> uneasy with this it's like for some reason your seatbelt in the middle of the roller coaster you know you'll be all right but the lap bar is suddenly like loose and you're yeah like, i think I, this I, isn't right yeah. I, to me it, it was more of a sea change i would compare say like say star trek Right. Say you're what oh, okay. you're, you're. You're really into Star Trek. You watch Star Trek. They're in a ship. They're flying around the universe. They're they're meeting <laughs> new worlds, new civilizations. You know, blah 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 blah. They're having all these things going on in space. Then all of a sudden, they crash on a planet. Let's say, and that's it. They're going to stay on the planet now. Right. It's no longer a ship in space. Right. They're going to build this society on this planet. And you're going to watch the evolution of of that how that all evolves. And it's like. Wait a minute. Okay, it's still Star Trek, but it's not at all what the structure of the of the story was prior. So um, that's how it felt to me when Rick left. It's like okay, the the whole structure of the story is kind of 
has changed now. Now, yes, I can see what you're saying. They free, freed him up. I don't know if they necessarily took advantage of that. I thought they needed to have someone step up, whether it was going to be Michonne or whether it was going right. to be Daryl. And no one seemed to take that lead until they got Negan. And now mm. I feel like he's <laughs> he's kind of, by hook or by crook, he's, he's grabbing at least my attention. No, I don't want to like that guy, but he says the right things at the right time and uh and he's badass and he takes no prisoners and uh he's captivating to watch and that's kind of how rick was he's the guy that walks into the room and you just can't keep your eyes off of him i mean literally it, it, whether it's because he's scary and it could be simultaneously scary but yeah. like also kind of like hmm it's kind of kind of hot too what what? You know that kind of. That kind we got of a thing. little man crush going on here. <laughs> but he's also scary. Yes. So I'm watching you. I'm watching you, buddy. Negan and goggles. Uh, Negan and goggles. Right. Negan and goggles, and then simultaneously Negan the next week. Uh, you know, I hate bangs. Uh, so. <laughs> uh, I think the only thing I, I wanted to ask about basically doing comic illustration on the rag because is, is that something you you would still like to pursue, or do you have any works currently or within the last? year or so or two that you can show everybody i can't show yet because it hasn't come out but it's been uh solicited and uh i think it was solicited two months ago so it should be coming out probably i think october it comes out it's about vampires and cadillacs <laughs> night of the cadillacs right night of the cadillacs through rob Pryor, who does a lot he's out in california he does a lot of work for in the movie industry doing um i think uh developmental art and uh storyboarding and stuff like that there's been a blossoming of producers and studios creating their own comic books as a way to kind of grease the wheels for a movie production so they'll have a movie that they want to do but it's hard to pitch it but if you go out and create it as a comic book which is more cost effective to do and quick to do and then get it produced, get it out there, and get some fans behind it as well. But then it, bring it to life in 2D. You can go in and make the pitch a lot better and a lot easier and kind of show, hey, we've already established that you know this is a product that people like and da-da-da-da-da. So I was approached by a producer out there that, that works with Rob, and um, he came with this idea for the uh, Night of the Cadillacs. I don't want to give too much away. It's, it's basically about um, vampire gangs that exist in an alternate kind of universe and they have a means at a certain time of the year or a certain time of i don't remember if there's a years involved or if it's yearly i can't remember off the top of my head but they can come through this portal and come to hunt basically in our universe and our planet for a period of time while that portal is open and um, it's kind of a cool concept it was a lot of fun to draw a lot of fun to illustrate and i got to do everything yeah, I drew it, I inked it, I colored it, I did the lettering, um, the entire the entire piece. It was funny because they came to me a few years ago with this and wanted some poster pieces, and then he wanted three short stories that were only two or three pages each. There was three or four, it might have been four. They were three pages each, so it was like 12 pages total or whatever. And they were of different gangs and what they were doing that night or whatever. But it was just kind of like to give that pitch concept like here's what they would look like and here's what they would be doing and this is what they would be driving and it's it's very uh it's into a lot of really cool visuals you know you know one group draws these big cadillacs and 
they're so cool from like the 70s and 80s, you know, and other ones are all on bikers and other ones are all riding bicycles. And stuff. So it's just really cool stuff, you know. Their transportation fits in with their overall style as a gang, too. So it was visually, it was really cool. I was really into it. So I did those. And then they came back and said, you know what? Is there a way for us to put this together since you've already done these 12 pages and create a one full story that we could go two books in? So we got Jeff Marzik, who wrote my comic, Zeke Girl and the Ford Tigers, which was a piece that a book that I did independently with him. He helped take this screenplay and work it into a, a full story that for over the two issues, along with another writer that, that they were working with. And then I went and added additional pages and we made some adjustments to some of the original pages. So we ended up with two full books, about 20, I think they're like 20 or 22 pages each. They got together with a company called Scout Publishing, which is a new comic book publisher right now. Hmm. Worked out a deal with them and they're publishing it. So it's exciting. So yeah, I'm still you know trying and looking to do more in that vein. But there's an incredible amount of competition for that work. What was nice about this, too, was being able to, to do the color because I could bring some of what I've taught myself from doing the tributes into the work. So um, oh, That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. I think it, it, it came out pretty cool. I look forward to seeing how it's received. For the audience, uh, you can get Z-Girl and the Four Tigers still on Comixology as well as Scam which is something you worked on as well, I think it was? Yeah, Scam, when you self-publish, you start to kind of get into a group of people that do that kind of stuff, and you kind of you know connect with a lot of people and, and reach out to them for advice and contact ideas for printers and things like that and distribution strategies and stuff that you don't get to learn anyway but by talking to other people that have done it. <laughs> so I, I connected with them on some things and then they came to me and said they were doing this um, collection of short stories and they had a uh, the scam character and they put it together and um, did a whole bunch of short stories in a collected trade and I did one of the installments for those who don't know scam is uh, the way they build it was uh, if if mutants were like oceans 11 essentially that's how <laughs> they build it as right. I think it was right yeah so, awesome yeah. A heist yeah. with powers. And I highly recommend Z-Girl and the Four Tigers. It just sounds like a very interesting uh, take on a zombie protagonist. Well, and we don't know, as from what I heard. We don't know if she ends up being the, the demise or the or the savior, let's say, character mm. the, you know, of the right. series, right? If I'm not mistaken. And there's a lot of lore in it, too. Like, like real-life lore. Yeah. You know, it's disappointing because I think if given a little more time and financing and energy, there was a, a lot of potential for that book. And and I mean, there still could be if we were to pick it back up. But the zombie stuff was hot when we started that. You know, it was really hot. Walking Dead had just kind of started and the Walking Dead book was really big. But I wanted to do something different with zombies than what what was traditional just having zombies be the villain was was just kind of it was tired it was done so we decided to to make the zombie the hero and she is like a thousand year old zombie character that's been trained by lasso yeah so we brought in a lot of like mystical stuff and chinese history and then she was peered up with these four tigers which were uh spirits of warriors that um, whenever they perished, their spirit would seek out another host and bring them back to the group. So the group stays together for like a thousand years fighting demons and monsters, very much like Hellboy and the BPRD type of deal. And they're mm -hmm. part of, they work with the 
uh, a governmental agency and all this kind of stuff. So I was very influenced by Hellboy at that time. She had this tank and these way to rehabilitate herself or heal herself so that she wasn't constantly rotting away. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was and uh, <laughs> yeah, and uh, and then some of these power, you know, there was things that she could do as a zombie that gave her a little bit of like superpowers, you know, like for instance, she could identify in a room whether people were living or not living, um, whether, you know, if you couldn't see or whatever, there's this one part where they go into, you know, anyway. So because she could sense the blood, she could sense the heart beating, she could sense, you know, that kind of stuff. There was, you know, she could mm -hmm. take off limb parts and be able to access stuff that you couldn't, you know, reach or couldn't do with, you know, so there was this, this kind of, and then had to repair herself, but where she could take a lot of damage, you know, whether it be from bullets or guns or knives or whatever, and keep on moving. There was no pain involved. The only thing she couldn't do was take a strike to the, to the brain, whether it be a bullet or a knife, like traditional zombie lore, right? So we right. built into her costume, this metal plate that was designed as part of her costume that protects the one area of that brain so that she has some protection. It was just, you know, it was fun. It's like, what could you do with zombies that would be different? It seems like emblematic of Kirk Manley. <laughs> let's, let's do something different, damn it. Yeah. Let's keep pushing that but yet make it, But yet make yeah. it the same. <laughs> yeah, but still like, yeah, have that little yeah. kernel of like, yeah, you know this That's part, right. but you don't That's know all right. this other stuff. Yeah, so zgirl.org is the site. I think it's still going on. It's still up and you can order the books. You can order the books through there. Um, we did six issues. Uh, there was a five issue story, complete story. And then we did a sixth issue, which was kind of a standalone. And then we also did a zero issue, which had three oh. short, three short stories in it at different time periods. Mm. That was another thing that we liked about the fact that they've been together for thousands of years and had different forms. We went back and did short story where, you know, it was a hundred years ago and the, the, the crew, the crew was different. But she was the same, but they were still the same spirits. Right. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah. And, and then, of course, you could draw different, you know, could colonial or steampunk, you know, and that kind of thing. And But then jump forward and do present day and allowed us to jump through, uh, you know, time a little bit when we tell the story. I'm, I'm just like imagining the tribute art to that, like how you can spin off these different covers and steampunk colonial versions yeah. of Z-Girl. Yeah. <laughs> That sounds kind of fun too in my yeah. brain. We've held on to Kirk long enough. Oh, I suppose. Wow. I think we've well, taken listen, up a I, lot of his time tonight. Thank you very much. I've taken up a lot of your time. Aliza just wants to make sure that, and I think this is, I, I'm going to take a wager here, but if and when you end up finishing Fear the Walking Dead sixth season, mm -hmm. you might be inspired to do something there. Oh, I yeah. Think, okay. I think. Oh, yeah. It oh, is yeah. a. <laughs> just a, an incredible roller coaster. Like, I know people say that, right? People say, oh, but if you even go on Reddit, people, they're, they're, even they're split on like, uh, yeah, it's not so bad for the people who hated four, season four <laughs> and five. They're like, eh, it's not so That's bad. saying a lot coming from Reddit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I saw the preview for the new season and it, and that kind of blew my mind a little bit because characters had switched roles and um, it, it seemed mm -hmm. like, and, uh, and then it yeah. looked like there had been some sort of nuclear uh, event or something similar to that where they, you know, mm -hmm. and I was like, damn, they never went there in Walking Dead, you know what I mean? And it's like, if the society crashed, you know, there's going to be a couple of nuclear disasters. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. Mm -hmm. So that looked cool. I will, I'll definitely yeah, check yeah. it out. 
And it's also kind of like what ends up happening with some of the characters you are familiar with, how they change, what they turn into. In the preview, there was this intense confrontation. It was just in words, I think, over images. Strand was like, dude, we tried to do it your way, and that didn't work. So look where we are now. So screw you. We're doing it my way. And I was like, that sounds pretty cool. <laughs> you know? Now, it's funny because, see, now there's a show that didn't, it wasn't designed to be based on an individual character and following them and their son or their daughter through the apocalypse. It was designed completely on its own. And, uh, and I think as a result, it, it, um, it was, be, it's able to be successful at going in a, you know, in its own kind of direction. They did kind of anchor it a little bit in the beginning with the, the mother character, but that, I think that was holding them down. And I think they realized that. Mm. And once they once they got rid of her and uh, and whether she comes back or not, I don't know. But because uh, they never showed her actually get eaten, so you know right. if you don't the see gag. the body, uh, you know you know you can't say it's definite, one hundred percent. Fortunately or not, <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. But it allowed the other characters to kind of go in different ways and and grow and become mm -hmm. their own thing. And and so no, yeah, I I did like that about that show. I think the logic they used for Matt. Madison's exit is similar in a way to what they did with Rick, I think, is it allowed the other characters kind of step forward and try to take on that mantle, that shared lead mantle. And I think yeah. it's not a, it's not a coincidence that they both left it around the same time, season four mm -hmm. and season season nine. Yeah. So. Just just to remind people again, this weekend is my TWD Tribute Art Weekend, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, with new Season 10 and Season 11 Tribute Art. The first pieces I've done really since the pandemic started. I'll be releasing hopefully two per day, two on Friday, two on Saturday, two on Sunday. There'll be um, some incentives with original sketches. If you get sets, there'll be bundles. I'm going to try and do an event poster for it as well that will be exclusive for this event. It will only be available that that weekend and there'll be 50 of them signed and numbered and when they're gone they're gone wow. and, and i won't bring them to shows in the future i won't be selling them online only exclusively to this weekend so should be a lot of fun i hope people will check it out i appreciate you giving me a forum to to let people know about it and um and also to, to talk about myself it's just uh, sadly <laughs> my favorite subject <laughs> as, as a loner and an artist stuck in a hole that's what tends to happen folks you, you got you got to get those those one of those 50 prints uh, yeah it's gonna happen it's gonna happen fast is this like an option that they can get along with their purchase is that how it works well yeah also you can get it by itself there's a option to get it for free or included if you get all three three days if you buy each set from each day on Friday, it'll be there'll be a limited amount of, of sets that are sold with sketch cards, original drawings that I'm going to do. On Friday, I believe it's going to be Daryl. So you'll get an original sketch that I'll do of Daryl with your set purchase. And on Saturday, it'll be your choice uh, of Carol or Michonne. And on uh, Sunday, if you buy the set on Sunday, it'll be Negan. But if you choose to get the, the, the bundle deal of all three sets, you'll get all three of those sketch cards as well. As well as the show poster, I'll throw that in as well. So there'll be a lot of incentive to get all of six. I wish you the best of luck with it. I think, I think this is such a terrific idea. And Thank you. Uh, seasons, 
Seasons 10 and 11 are monster seasons. Many people regard them as, like, so far, one of the best seasons uh, of The Walking Dead history. I mean, there's always classics like one, two, and five, and six, and, well, you know, all of them. But then, <laughs> but then you know, season 10 rolled around. It was this epic, epic tale that... Uh, it yeah. really grabbed a lot of people, I think it was. And I think I think they'll see that in your work. Thank you. I hope so. We'll see. As I've uh, said many times tonight, you only learn by doing. So, you know, I'm going to give it a try and we'll see how it goes. Hopefully it'll be success and or at least enough of a success to want to do again, you know, and then hopefully yeah. get better, get better each time. Let me just say, please be patient and understand that I'm not a show producer. I'm not a promoter. I'm not... <laughs> I'm not a website designer, so um, you know there, I'm sure this uh, you know there will be lots of bumps, and um, I hope people will be patient. You're, you're a nice, a nice enough guy. You, you've earned that equity, I think, I believe. And if not, you have a, a patrol of soldiers who are ready to, to stand by you. I think so. Go, yeah, especially Eliza right there in the chat. That's right. <laughs> Kirk, I want to thank you so much for being here. A special thank you and shout out to Aliza J for making all of this possible. Everyone, everyone needs to go over and head to at BatmanKM on Instagram and Twitter so you can check out more of Kirk's work. Make sure you are absolutely following him so that you know exactly when this tribute art is available. There are a lot more ways you can contact Kirk, so make sure you check out our blog and find out all the different ways you can get a hold of him and get your special tribute art thank you guys very much i really appreciate the chance to come on thank you for being here thank yeah. you. Oh, my pleasure and talking with us and it's yep. fair to say that um, they should also stay tuned on studiokm.com right to see the yep. latest update in the yep. book yeah so yep. that they can see when it goes on sale all right guys thanks so much take Kirk. care thank you very thank much you thank you take care now Thank you so much for making it to the end of this lovely, lovely interview with none other than Kirk Manley, aka Batman KM, graphic artist, comic book artist, and just overall lovely person who should get a podcast again. Uh, if you like what you heard, you can always head to ratethispodcast.com slash Dead. You should be rating us after every episode so that people know how good this thing is or even how bad it is. Five stars and eggplant is all we need to know that you love us or five, one star and a poop emoji or five poop emojis or several uh, either way please communicate us let us know what we, what we got right let us know what we did wrong uh, <laughs> just talk to us we're here uh, as well as uh, well and this episode has been brought to you by our survivors tier member Aliza J who actually hooked us up with Kirk uh, took care of the communications she is a lovely lovely contributor to this podcast uh, but this episode has also been brought to you by, not to be overshadowed by, our Whispers tier members. Namely, at WhispersUK on Instagram, at Snick3 on Twitter and Instagram, at AidenTheRaven on Twitter, at Jasmine.iac on Instagram, who also gave us some lovely emotes on our Discord server, one of the perks of joining the Whispers, and last but not least, at Judith.Morton on Instagram. Uh, what are tier members well if you head over to ko-fi.com slash squawking dead 
and just create an account and follow us there. You can follow our journey behind the scenes and be in the know when we drop something cool that you may want to participate in, like our recording sessions in the real-time chat, as well as download our unedited episode recordings and a whole bunch of other perks. And if you're so inclined, you don't have to, it doesn't cost anything to follow us. And if you're so inclined to actually dip your toe in the waters, you can always tip us for $3 and get $30, sorry, 30 days of access to our supported back content. And if you join one of our membership tiers, the party just keeps on going. Uh, the Whispers tier has a bunch of perks as well, and the Survivors tier has all the perks, including the ability to join in our episode breakdowns on camera. I've been your host, David Cameo. It's been great, great, great to give you this episode. I hope you've enjoyed it. I'll see you in the next one.